morning, everybody. Good morning. Nice to see you all. There's a problem about coming to Riverside Lisbon every seven or eight months, is that when you come back, you don't recognize half the people. The ones that were here eight months ago were no longer here, and now there's a whole bunch of new faces. So I'm going to try to connect with all of you, even the ones I don't know. But I have a few familiar faces that um, are making me feel like I'm amongst friends. So it's nice to be together with you guys. It's always a pleasure to hang out at Riverside Lisbon. I come here more often to the Lisbon Project, but I really do wish I'd come out more to Riverside Lisbon. I'm a Gabby's sister, for those who don't know. So Ruben is my brother-in-law. Gabby's my sister. And I serve at the Lisbon Project as the chiropractor, so I come and do some adjustments on Fridays. And every so often, I come and visit Riverside Lisbon, but I do wish it was way more often. But my parents, as Gabby probably already told you, are on a sabbatical, and that means that they left me to fill their shoes. Now, those are some big shoes to fill, especially because my father and my mother did a million things per week. And so that's been a very intense last six months for me because I'm literally running around like a crazy headless chicken half the time, um, running around Riverside Kishkaish. So today, it's, this is a break for me. Even though I'm sharing the word with you guys, this is like, wow, I get to just be and just rest and just be here with you guys. And I have no idea what's going on in Riverside Kishkaish, so I hope that's going well. <laughs> But hey, it's time that everybody... Just sometimes you get used to people being there, don't you? You get used to that person being there and doing everything. So it's nice to be away and to see how they get on. So this is exciting. Now, uh, I'll be bringing a word for you guys, a, a word that has really blessed me and has been a big deal for me to think about, to um, meditate on, to reflect on. And it's a word that I shared with Riverside Kashkaj at the very start of this year in January. And when we started this year, our theme of our series that we were doing at Riverside Kishkaj for the month of January was called How to Keep It Together When the World is Falling Apart. That's a big topic. How do we keep it together when the world is falling apart? So Ruben Fadi actually kicked this off, this series. And back in January, he spoke about serving one another. And what he mentioned was that when we take our eyes off of our own needs all the time, that we look out and serve others. And you, when you take off the focus off of you, then you can truly serve the other. So that was Ruben's message back in January in Kishkaish. And so I came in after that with another big no-no. So the way the series was, was that basically we, we would say things that we shouldn't do when the world is falling apart. So the thing that when the world is falling apart, what is our reaction is to go into survival mode, is to go into me mode. What do I need? Everything's falling apart. What do I need? What do I have to do to keep myself afloat? And so that was the big no-no that Ruben deconstructed. And I came in after with another big no-no. And this is a big no-no that we've all been spending time doing in the last two years or year and a half. So everyone in this room is to blame for this, including myself, and everyone has been spending a lot of time doing this, and this is one of the big things that you don't do as a child of God when the world is falling apart, and that is to worry. 
We've all spent some time worrying, yes? Am I the only one who's worried in the last year and a half? The thing about the global pandemic that hit us in March 2020 is that it exacerbated a problem we already naturally have, which is to worry about everything. And what March 2020 did, it just elevated that to like 200%. And we all spent way more time worrying. And that's one of the things that Jesus tells us as a child of God that we are not to do, is to spend our time worrying. So we're going to go into that this morning. Worrying is in the nature of the human, it seems. And so I think that God, in his infinite wisdom, made sure to write in his word a lot of things about worry. And there's a lot of things in the Bible that tell us that we are not to worry. And I think it's because God knew that we would worry about everything. So he prepared way ahead of time for that. So God had to make sure that he would give us promises that he would give us assurances, that he would give us comfort because he knew we would spend so much time worrying. And he had to make sure that we would keep coming back to what really matters, that our focus would continue to be shifted to what really matters. So he left us several parts of scripture, and there are certain parts of scripture that Christians who have been Christians for a long time have been reading for years Isn't it annoying that there are certain parts of Scripture that we've been reading for years and we still don't implement them and we still don't live according to them? My goodness, it's like, how stubborn are we? How much do we need to hear it until we actually, till it clicks? One of those things we've been reading is Matthew 6. When I start reading Matthew 6, you'll recognize it if you've been a long-time Christian. And if this, you know, if you're listening to me and you're saying, well, I'm not a long-time Christian, I've just become a Christian very recently, well then look at us. We've been Christians a long time, and we're still battling with these issues. So don't feel bad if you're like, well, I worry all the time. Am I doing the wrong thing? Hey, we've been worrying for decades. We still haven't implemented the words of Matthew 6. And the, the passage in Matthew 6 is the one that says that God cares for the lilies of the fields, that he cares for the birds in the air. So how do we hear this passage year after year, time after time, and still we worry about so much. We still freak out when life throws us a curveball. That's why we constantly need to be reminded of who our God is and what he's promised to us. Because we're limited. Humans are limited and we're very forgetful. We forget all the time. And when we sing sometimes in worship, it's like we're not singing it to tell God who he is. I think we're singing it to remind us of who God is because we continually forget because God has told us, I will be with you for all of eternity. I'll be with you for all of time. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. We're the ones who forget that. He never forgets. We forget that we have this incredible God that's never going to leave us or forsake us. So we continually remind ourselves. And when we read these verses, this is a reminder for us. So this morning I don't have slides and that's why I encourage you to have your Bible or your Bible app. I'll, I'll let you know. For the moment you can, you can go over to Matthew 6 and we'll get to verses 25 in a moment. But we've all been worrying and we worry from time to time. Some people are more prone to worry. Some people will admittedly tell you that they're worry, worry warts. They freak out at everything. Other people they seem very cool on the outside, very chill. But maybe deep inside, they have their worries. They have their struggles. 
We worry about where our kids should go to school. We worry about when COVID will end. We worry about if we'll have a job. We'll worry about, back in January when I spoke about this, people were worried about driving in the street being pulled over by police on the way to church because we were in lockdown. Everybody was like, do I get to go to church? Do I not get to go to church? Am I going to be pulled over? Am I not? Everyone needed a letter in their car. We worry about these things. And we do have a lot to think about in life. I think we live in a society now that demands so much of us in terms of decision-making. I feel like we're making important decisions all the time, every day. Even a silly decision like, am I going to post this on Instagram? Is this appropriate? Is this good? Why am I posting this? So we start worrying about things and thinking about things because we're surrounded by choices, choices, choices all the time. So we choose to dwell on how big our problems are. We choose to spend a lot of time thinking about our problems and how big they are and how complicated they are and how no one can understand us. And we continually forget to focus on how big our God is, how big our God is, how much he can take, how much he can handle, how much he's prepared for us. So we fall into a trap of worry all the time. And Jesus tells his followers often in the word, he says, do not worry or do not be afraid. He says that very often. But we choose to ignore Jesus very often. We choose to ignore these words that he tells us. And the thing about worry and constant worry is that it's a very rocky road. It's a very uncomfortable road. Does anyone feel comfortable when they're worried? When you're like highly stressed, does that feel comfortable? That's not a good space to live in, is it? It's not a comfortable place to be. But God gave us free will. He gave us free choice. And even though he promised us all these things, he's never imposed himself on us. And so he says, listen, these are my promises. I'm here for you. But it's your choice whether to trust me or not. The thing about trusting God is that it's a daily exercise, isn't it? I wish it was as easy as reading Matthew 6 and going, oh, I'm free of all my worries. I'm done. And never worry again in my life. I would love that. But it's a daily exercise to trust God. But the thing about opting not to trust God is that it comes with consequences. That's what we tell our children, isn't it? If you do this, there's going to be a consequence. And God says, if you choose not to trust me, there's going to be consequences. And the consequences of worry are plenty. Maybe now you can think of some consequences of worry. But consequences of worry all the time, of a chronic state of mistrust and disbelief and worry are very, very dis, dis, uncomfortable and not nice. You know, when you, I, I'm, a, I'm a chiropractor, so I do biology. I think about things through the lens of biology and how our body works. And I know that when we're constantly worried, we have things like sleepless nights and insomnias. We get ulcers in our stomach and in our, in our guts. It's horrible. We have high blood pressure. We have intense headaches and migraines. These are things that happen when we worry. Some people are on medication for all these things. It's funny because they're on medication for all the consequences of worry, but they're not addressing the cause, which is a life of stress and worry and mistrust. So another thing that happens when we're always in a state of stress is that there are certain hormones in our body that are constantly high and consistently high. There's a hormone in your body called cortisol, and it's meant to go up and down in different situations. Some people have cortisol that is always on a high, 
because they're so high, highly stressed, highly strung, super intense, and super worried. Cortisol is not meant to go up and stay up. So there's certain things that we're doing to our physical bodies when we live in a state of worry. So the Word of God says in Matthew 6, in verse 27, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? God is confrontational in His Word. He's not going around the bush. He's asking you directly right now, can all your worries add one single day to your life? And we have to awkwardly reply, no. Right? Have any of your worries added any more hours to your day or added any more days to your month? No. Right? That's the honest answer. In fact, worrying only takes away our health and it shortens our life. So we are spending a lot of time doing something that is cutting our days short. And that's terrible. That's a terrible way to live, isn't it? There's a better alternative to worry. So that's going to be our focus today. Let's focus on what God has promised us in Matthew 6, 25. The first thing that this passage is going to do, and I'm going to tell you what it's going to do before we read it together. The first thing it's going to tell us is it's going to remind us of our value. And if you came in here today and you don't remember how much God loves you and you don't feel that you're valued or important or that you're enough, this is the passage in the Bible that is telling you how much God loves you, how much God values you. We are so precious to the Lord. And in this passage, he speaks about nature and about his creation. And he puts us above all of that. When we have children, and I have two, some of you have met my kids, and they are precious to me, and they're very, very cute. But when I have my own kids, I don't do anything to harm them, right? I would never do anything to purposefully harm them. I would never do anything to ignore their needs. If they're hungry, I gave them food. If they want to play, I will play with them. If they're cold, I'll find them a, cold, a warm hoodie. I would never ignore my children or their needs. I know exactly what they're going to need even before they say it, don't you? You know your kids are going to need certain things. You know when they need to sleep. You know when they need to eat. So just if I'm an earthly parent and such a limited human, and I know all these things about my kids, then think about how much the Lord knows about you, how much he loves you, how much he cares about you. So God lives in a constant state of awareness for what you need. He already knows what you're going to need before you even ask it. He lives in an awareness of his children. He knows what we are going through. So let's go to Matthew 6.25. I usually like to read the NLT version. And that's what it says like this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Amen. He will certainly care for you. So why don't you need to worry? Because you are loved and known by your creator, by your father. Never forget that we are more important to God than anything else in the world. Another reason we shouldn't worry, and this is a big one and this comes straight from the word of God. 
Because one cannot worry and trust God at the same time. We can never live in a state of worry and yet we declare that we trust the Lord. Those are two opposing things. To do one of those things, you have to abdicate of the other. Those things don't live in synergy and harmony with each other. You can't say, I'm worried about everything. Oh, but I trust the Lord. Those are things that are opposing. Perhaps we do trust God in certain areas of our lives. You may say that. Oh, I trust him fully with this part, but not really with this part. We so often sing about God, like I said, almost trying to convince ourselves that it's really, really true. But then in practical terms, we have a really hard time letting go of our worries. We have a really hard time completely surrendering to the Lord. When we sing, I surrender all, man, I'm very careful about the things I sing. Because I'm not sure that every time I've sung, I surrender all, I'm actually surrendering all. I think in my heart, I'm saying, I surrender all of that part, but not all, all. So... We say often, and these are things we all say, okay? We've all been guilty of this. I say, God, I trust that you can heal me, but I'm concerned it's taking longer than I expected. I trust you can save my marriage, but I worry my partner's way too stubborn. He'll never change. I trust God to be the giver of all good things, but I'm not seeing him come through right now in my finances, and I need a breakthrough. So I'm worried, but I, I trust him. I'm worried. No, I trust God. This one we say a lot. I trust God to find me a good husband. I trust God to find me a good wife. I trust him to find the person for me. But I'm worried I may have too many flaws and I'm not good enough and I'm not perfect enough for someone else. So what is this saying? This sounds like a paradox to me. You're saying you trust God and yet... You list your list of worries. Oh, I trust him, but it's not coming at the right time. It's taking forever. Oh, I trust him. And yet we do everything and we scramble and we do everything on our own strength to find a solution, to come up with a plan. So are we really fully trusting? The Bible says that only when we fully trust the Lord do you find true peace. Only when you fully trust the Lord do you find true peace. So we really have to work on our trust game, don't we? We have to work on our letting go game. Because worry, what it's doing, it's destroying our single-hearted devotion to Jesus. The Bible says this earlier in Matthew 6, if you want to go back and read it at home. It says, we cannot serve two masters, Right? You've heard this passage, you can't serve two masters. You have to be loyal to one while renouncing the other. You cannot serve both. And what worry is doing to us is it's making us let go of one of those things. You cannot say you love Jesus and you trust him with your whole lives and yet worry. So worry is destroying this devotion to Jesus, this, this all-encompassing, this all-surrendering, this self-denying devotion to Jesus, which is what we all long for, isn't it? We all want to say, I fully love you, Jesus. I fully trust you. But yet when we worry, we're like taking apart that devotion. We're ripping it bit by bit. We're taking away pieces. 
So the devotion of our hearts is being torn into two directions. If we say we love Jesus and yet do not trust him, we are making our hearts vulnerable to the sickness that is worry. The emotional and spiritual sickness, but the physical sickness that I've just talked to you about. So we're making ourselves vulnerable every time we worry to the sickness that is tearing us apart. And it's breaking apart our closeness, our intimacy with Jesus. Because what we all long for is to know him better, is to be closer to him. But every time you worry, it's like we're pushing him a little bit further away. And we're getting further and further away from this intimate and close relationship with our Savior. So, in order not to be then consumed by these worries of the world, we need to change the focus, right? We need a paradigm shift. Because if all we think about is of the things of here and now, and my life and my house and my career and my physical needs then it's going to be very hard to fully live in trust. We need a paradigm shift that happens in the heart of every child of God. So Matthew 6 is teaching us another lesson, that we need to make investments that outlive life. We need to make investments in things that are not terminal. We need to make investments with our time and our heart and our money into things that are eternal. We need to change the focus the focus needs to be on what is eternal and not what is in this world. So later in Matthew 6, you want to go to verse 31. It says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will I eat and what will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Wow. If we seek God's interests first, he will deliver on our individual needs. So as a chiropractor, I like a good alignment analogy. That's how my brain works. So it's saying the word of God is telling me that if I align my priorities with God's kingdom, the rest will function better. The rest will work better. So when I'm adjusting someone's spine, my focus is to align your spine so your nervous system functions better. Your nervous system will never function well if you have a misaligned spine. And the Word of God is telling me, you will never function very well if you haven't aligned yourself with my priorities, with my kingdom. We can't expect all of God's blessings and His help at every turn and at every request if we haven't even aligned ourselves with his purposes. Because then we become selfish. That's what we're doing. We're saying, God, can you please help me with this and this and this? And I'm really struggling with this. And this is worrying my mind. And I need more of this. And I need more of that. And God is saying, you don't even care about my purposes. You don't even care about what I need from you. You don't even care about my kingdom. You're not even worried about the things that are eternal. You're just worried about the things that are now and you always live in the now and you're not even thinking about the eternal so the bible has a lot of these situations that I've, i i quite enjoy catching them in the word of god i like finding these these are called the if and then situations in the bible so this is one of those passages if you read it again it says if you seek first the kingdom of god then i will give you everything you need yeah? 
If you seek first my kingdom, then I will give you everything you need. I've seen this happen so practically in my life, in my husband's life, and even my brother-in-law, Reuben, your pastor. This has happened to us countless times. We can tell you loads of stories of how God comes through for his servants. So I was a, I'm a pastor's kid. My husband, Reuben, is a pastor's kid. And my brother-in-law, Reuben, is a pastor's kid. And my sister's a pastor's kid, too, obviously. <laughs> but we could tell you countless stories of God's faithfulness, of how he comes through for his servants in our physical needs. So my husband, Reuben, came from a family who was, they were all in for ministry. That's all they did. Their parents were full-time pastors, and they, did, and they ministered in several churches. They were not a very wealthy family. They earned very little for all the work that they did. I'm, uh, I'm of the opinion that people who serve God full-time should have everything they need taken care of. But back in the day, pastors earned very, very little in my, parent, in my brother, in my husband's family. They earned very, very little. So sometimes even physical things like food were not available. But every morning, and they still to this day don't know who it was, every morning there was a bag of bread at their door. Every single morning. And the word of God says, I will give you food. I'll take care of you. I know everything you need. So even a simple thing like a bag of bread that was on their door every single morning, and they don't even know how or from where it came. But there's other, so many other cool ways that sometimes for my brother and for my husband's family, so many times their bills would be paid and they had no idea who paid their bills. They would just show up paid. These are just like really small things, but it's just showing how God's favor opens doors when we're just fully aligned with him, how we're fully concentrated on his kingdom. My father-in-law told me a story of how he felt one day, he was at Aguas Kashkais, and Aguas Kashkais to pay for his water bill. And he felt in his spirit, God move him to pay for the lady's bill in front of him. Now I just said, they're a family that didn't have a lot of money. So he was, he literally had enough to pay for his own bill. So the lady in front of him was really struggling, and he could see that she couldn't afford it. So in faith, he stepped up and he said, I'll pay for her bill. And she was moved, and she was very emotional. And he knew he had no money left to pay his own bill. But he was obedient, and he went on to pay this lady's bill. But when he went to pay his own bill, it had already been paid for. Isn't that crazy how God's math works? That you went to serve someone else and bless someone else, and magically your bill was already paid for. And he has no idea who it was. But Reuben has tons of these stories, and my brother-in-law, Reuben, has tons of these stories of how God would just show up and provide for their families. But when our focus is on what is eternal, I can guarantee you, you will become more generous because your focus is no longer on me, on inward, it's on outward. So when you focus on what is eternal, you become more generous, you give more, you share more, you open up your hands and you reach out more. And you help other people. When you focus on this world, you constantly live in a state of worry. And you constantly live in a state of mistrust because you never really know if God's going to come through for you. Because you're so focused about this, on this physical world. But when you focus on what is eternal, 
You care more about the state of your heart and of your soul and of other people's hearts and their soul than you care about your physical belongings. We just sang the song, and I, I wrote it here because one of my favorite songs is him, Be, Be Thou My Vision. But we sang, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Still be my vision. That means still be my focus. And what do we sing? O ruler of all. What does that tell you? He's the ruler of all. He's taking care of all. He's got you. He's got it all. So if we're singing it, we need to apply it. We need to live it. When we spend so much time fretting and worrying, we're losing time. We miss out on all the great things we could be doing instead. Think with me about all that you would gain today if you stopped worrying and became focused on what really, truly matters. We would have so much more time. We would gain time. The Bible says, can you add a single day to your life by worrying? No. But can you gain time from stopping your worries? Yes. And what I mean by that is you can gain time for relationships, time to invest in people, time to listen to people. Gosh, don't we all need more time to listen? We spend a lot of time either talking or worrying or freaking out, but we need more time to listen to people. We, we can gain more time investing into another generation, investing into younger people, into a, a better and, and, and more bright generation. Hey, we can invest more time with Jesus. Wouldn't that be good? Invest more time with Jesus. You'll gain time to spend with the Lord in your personal growth. Hey, you might even gain time to help someone to serve in a ministry in this church. You might gain some time to volunteer at the Lisbon Project. Look at all the time you would gain if you weren't so focused and busy with the things of this earth. I know that when I'm having a worried week, I never seem to be in the moment. Do you relate to me? When you're so worried, you're, you're worried about the next thing. I'm not really here. I'm just here quickly because I have to go somewhere else. Or you're not really with your kids or with your partner. You're not really spending time with them because you're thinking about somewhere else. So you're not even present in the moment when you spend your time worrying. You're already focused on the next thing. You're already somewhere else mentally. So you're missing out on that opportunity. You're missing out on that moment. My mind is always racing on the next thing. I really, I do really have to battle with this. I have to focus on what is important and I have to think about the things that God wants me to think about. Because otherwise, I'd, be, I'd just be going to the next thing. I'm a to-do list person. Are you a to-do list person? Do you like checklists? Because I love a good checklist. But as long, no. <laughs> okay, we don't relate on this part. Um, I'm going to go to my checklist people over here. So a good checklist can be great, but it can be awful because you won't rest until all the things are ticked off. Until every single thing. So you've just done the one, but you're already thinking of doing the next one. So you're just living in this like rat race of checklists that we just have to get going to the next one. So here's my challenge for all of us this morning. Why don't we deliver our time? Why don't we surrender our time? You may not be ready to surrender all the parts of your life to God, all the parts in your heart, but surrender your time. Surrender your day. Surrender your agenda. 
and say, God, help me to be aligned and focused on what really matters. Another way that God does incredible things when you're focused on what is eternal is he has used his children so often to make a huge difference in someone's day because they weren't focused on their agenda. So that means that you're going along about your day, busy, 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 you're at the grocery store, and instead of being focused on what you have and what you need and of the next thing and of the meeting you're supposed to be in or going to, you're focused on what's eternal. And that can mean something as simple as helping someone else, as smiling to someone else, as loving on someone else, as saying, oh, you look really beautiful today, I love your shirt today. That's being focused on something other than yourself. And when that happens, incredible things can happen. And... Um, Just recently, we heard from our friends in Bournemouth. They do something where they go out on the streets and they're just looking to pray for people. Not imposing and like not being pushy about it. They're just going about their day, walking the streets of Bournemouth, hoping to pray for people. And if they see someone that looks down or upset or, you know, having struggles with something or dropped something on the floor, they'll take that as an opportunity and they'll just pray for that person. Hey, is it okay if I pray for you? People are like, what? You're just out of the blue, just praying for me. But some people have said, wow, that would be amazing. Thank you. And just in that moment, and not recently because of COVID, but last year, they got to hug people. You know, there's a girl who said, I've never been hugged before. My mother didn't love me like this. You know, I don't know what this kind of affection is. No one's ever hugged me, and you're a perfect stranger, and you just hugged me, and I felt like the most loved I've ever felt. That's doing God's work. That's bringing the kingdom of God to earth. That's focusing on something other than ourselves and helping change someone's life, someone's day. So if we spend all of our years investing into the things of this world, what are we going to leave behind? Not very much. Because if all you've worried about is the day-to-day things, you've not really left a legacy because you're not thinking about what is eternal. When we deliver our time and our busy minds into God's hands, we gain peace, we gain more time, and we gain quality relationships and friendships and marriages and families. So Jesus commanded us not to worry, but this is so much easier said than done, isn't it? When we take this instruction given by Jesus, we actually apply it to daily life with the struggles and the schedules and the accidents and the deadlines and the things that broke down, how do we do it? How do we live in that state that this world pressures us to live in and yet remain at peace? Well, with any disease, we need a cure, right? So I think biology, I think if the body is sick, the body needs a cure. And I think that if we're living in the state of affliction, of worry, then I suggest that the cure can be gratitude. The cure for your worries can be gratitude. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to read you a devotional that was written by Sarah Young. And I think that she explains much better in these words of how gratitude can be the cure for our worry. It's a beautiful revelation. And it's written from God's perspective, like he's saying it to you. So let me read it for you. This is what the Lord says. Trust me by relinquishing control into my hands. Let go and recognize that I am God. This is my world. I made it and I control it. Yours is a responsive part in my story of love. 
When you bring me your prayer requests, lay out your concerns before me. Speak to me candidly. Open up your heart. Then thank me for the answers that I have set into motion long before you could even discern the results. When your requests come to mind again, continue to thank me for the answers that are on the way. If you keep on stating your concerns, you will live in a state of tension. But when you thank me for how I'm answering your prayers, your mindset becomes free and positive. Isn't that beautiful? Thankful prayers keep your focus on God's presence and on his promises. So what this devotional is saying is don't keep stating your concerns to me because if you keep just stating the concern, you will live in a state of tension and turmoil and you're uncomfortable because the answer is not coming. But if you state your concerns and, the, and he's saying, pour out your heart. Tell me what's bothering you. Why are you upset? Why are you stressed? And you pour out your heart. And then you say, but God, I thank you for the answers that are on the way. I thank you that you are fighting for me. I thank you that you are fighting on my behalf. And that's a much better way to live, isn't it? Then you find peace. Then you can breathe better. Because you have just handed over all your worries and somebody else is fighting for you. And it's not just somebody else. It's not just an advocate or a lawyer. It's the creator of the universe. The one who created you. The one who loves you above everything else. So he's fighting for you. This is a much lighter way to live. As we thank him for the answers, he is setting them in motion already. And then we can really let go. And it also says that our part is one of response. That really shook me too, because it says yours is a responsive part in this story of love, which means yours is not the controller. You're not the director. You're not the producer. You don't, you're not the person who's in charge of getting things together. You don't have to worry about setting it all up. Yours is a responsive part. You just have to smile and nod and say, thank you, Jesus, that you're in control. When we do our part, we can trust God to do his part. When we align ourselves with God's purposes, we can truly experience supernatural peace. Bring your worries, stop dwelling on them, and let go. So I'm just going to leave you with that devotional. I'm going to tell you that that devotional is based on Psalm 46.10, if you want to go back and read it at home. Psalm 46.10 and Colossians 4.2. Those are the key verses, so you can read that over and over. Colossians 4.2. So just as a quick recap, what we've learned today in Matthew. Matthew taught us we were reminded of our value. We were reminded of how much God loves us. We were encouraged to make an investment into what is eternal. And we were told to do our part and trust God to do his. So when the world is falling apart, like the series said, the thing that keeps us together... Christians, me, a Christ follower, the things that keeps me together, but the thing that sets me apart from the rest of the world is that we are not worried, is that I am at peace, is that my eyes are set on a mighty God who still does mighty things. There's a, there's a song that you guys might know that says that mountains are still being moved, that giants are still being slain, that these are still the things that God does. These are not things that happened the before. They're the things of now. God can still move a big mountain in your life. 
If there's a big obstacle that you're thinking about right now and you're saying, well, it's easy for you to say not to worry. You don't even know my problem. Well, I know that God slays giants. I know that God parts Red Seas. I know that God raises people from the dead. So I know 100% that God can and will deliver on that obstacle in your life. I'm sure of that because wonders are still what God does. Ours is a part of trust. Ours is a part of letting go. So this morning we pray and we ask that God invades our hearts and does what he can do. If you're worried, if you're scared, if your future is uncertain, then come with a heart of gratitude this morning. He already knows what you're worried about and scared of. But come with a heart of gratitude and thank God for what he's already doing on your behalf. Yeah? Thank God for what he's already doing on your behalf. If you need a move from God today, if you need him to do this for you, if you need him to give you this peace, then let's worship him this morning. It's in worship. It's, it's, in, our, it's in our time of surrendering that we let go of all these things. So I just pray and hope that God invades your hearts this morning and that you're able to focus not on your problem, not on the worry, but on gratitude. Thank God for what he's already doing for you. Thank him that he loves you so much. Thank him that he's always looked out for you. And sometimes when we're so busy doing our own thing, our own way, God is just watching and waiting. Because he's like, if you don't need me, I'll just wait here. Because God is so ready to love on us, to help us, to jump in. But if you don't want him to, he's just going to sit back and watch. Because he's given us that free choice. Yet, over and over and over in his word, he says, just call on my name. If you seek me, you will find me. Yeah? So if you seek him, you will find him and his answers for your life. But let's just, just surrender to him today. Surrender to him. All the parts. Surrender your time Surrender your mind. Surrender your worries. Well, I pray, Father, that we do this well today. I pray, God, that we read these passages like Matthew 6 and that they don't just, that they're not just words, that they're not just repeated words, that they're not just lessons we've heard in Sunday school as kids, but that we truly embrace your word, God, that we truly embrace your promises that we truly understand how much you love us and how much you care about us. God, help us to deliver our time. Help us to deliver into your hands our, our hearts. Help us, God, to give all our worries to you, all our frustrations, all of our concerns into your loving hands. For you love us, you care for us, and you know much better what we need than we even know ourselves. Help us to trust in your answers as well, God even when they don't look like the things that we thought they should look like, even when the answer is different, may we trust you, Lord. May we trust you so much. Yes, God, we love you. We trust you. We worship your holy name today, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just spend this time with Jesus, surrendering your heart. State your concerns to him. Pour out your heart and then thank you.